American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions Clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards and uh, we, we, we have the usual crowd of, um, of, of wonderful uh, folks with us. We have Rick Morin, who is responsible for handling such exciting things as, as uh, recognizing people who raise their hands, assuming there are some people here, and we hope there are. <laughs> and we also have Larry Gasp, who is uh, our streamer and who's uh, keeping an eye to make sure that Tuesday Topics is finding its way to all parts of the world through ACB Media One. So, welcome to Tuesday Topics for the 11th of January, 2022, and our our topic tonight continues to be the one that we've actually talked about a little over the last um, few days, or over the last few programs. We've actually been talking about it for more programs than we've actually um, than we've actually been able to hold, but. Um, there are some components about uh, our uh, last year that seem to me uh, not not to have gotten discussed. And because I'm sort of um, at least occasionally kind of frenetic about wanting to get stuff done, I thought it might be fun for us to actually do uh, some more of the uh, of the cool things about. Uh, 2021, which is, which is, um, which is odd because we certainly had some good conversation in the last program and you can certainly go back to podcasts and listen to that one. Uh, there, there's some, there is, uh, I think some really interesting, um, discussion. But one of the things that I think we didn't talk about um, that, that I think is important, um, is, um, uh, oh, for instance, the changes that have occurred in our country at large, uh, in terms of, uh, attitudes towards minorities. Did, did 2020, for instance, uh, represent something of a renaissance for minorities? And did 2021 seem to be a step backwards. Maybe we can explore a little, uh, a little of that. What about people with disabilities? What kind of a year was it for kind of people with disabilities in general and people who are blind in particular? Did we take steps forward or steps back? Did, uh, the climate for looking at disabilities change in 2020 or 21? There, there are lots of issues, but that, might be uh, a place we can start. Um, by the way, I want to um, 
pause for just a second and send some goodwill wishes out to a person who is uh, a regular participant in Tuesday Topics, and that's Penny Reader. Penny, I hope you're feeling better, and I hope you're listening tonight. Uh, I know you probably won't be on, but we expect you back soon. Don't stay away, away too long. So last year and then there are other things movies tv shows that we didn't discuss music which really didn't come up what what kinds of developments did we have in 2021 that that were notable and and what about you your own personal lives how did they change were 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 there some things that happened in 2021 that were just wonderful for you that you'd like to share and were there were there really awful things that happen that you think it would be uh, appropriate for some of us to know about. So those are the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping there will be some folks out there uh, who will have some things to contribute. But let's start by talking about what 2021 was like for minorities. Um, so let me let Rick begin by explaining the whole hand-raising process, and that will give those of you who already know about it an opportunity to start raising your hands. And then we'll probably talk with Rick and Larry for a minute about what they think and get the discussion of 2021 underway. So, Mr. Rick? Yes, Paul. How you doing, everybody? To raise your hand, you can do Alt-Y on the PC, star 9 on the telephone, and um, there is a raise hand button in the bottom half, bottom left hand corner of, of the app, if you're using the Android or the iOS app. And I can never get the Mac command right, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's Alt Y and Alt A, I think. And but there's that, but it's more complicated than that. So yeah, because there's yeah. Yeah, although although I decided last week, you know, just as an aside, that I'm going to stop fighting the Mac, and I think I'm going to go get one. I uh, I actually have a Mac Mini um, in Miami, but I cheated and actually put Windows on there. Um, but I think I'm going to take it off and make myself learn the Mac too. I, th- I think you're right, Rick. I think you, I think it's have- time we bite the bullet. That's right. You got a dual boot machine. <laughs> I do. I have a dual boot machine. It's a. It, it, it's it's amazing though. I don't know if, if if you guys have seen the Mac Mini. They're about they're about six inches square as a computer. That's all you've got. You got a keyboard attached to it, but it's really six inches square. So you can just you you can't quite put it in your pocket, but you can certainly put it in a very small briefcase. No, we're gonna start calling you the gadget guy. Yeah, <laughs> that certainly was the case. And going through stuff down in Miami, I found out just how much of a gadget guy I am. It's frightening. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's 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 talk about the position of minorities in 2021. Did you guys notice anything with regard to disability stuff or or other groups that that you'd like to share? Because because I did. Mr. Larry, how about you? It's funny because I, 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 I'm trying to think of what I noticed. I mean, because the pervasive thing that happened in 2020, 
2020 and even into 2021 was COVID. Um, And and it's very difficult sometimes to get past that because Mm -hmm. everything in your life, you know, when you turn the radio on, turn the TV on, when you talk to your neighbor, whomever that might be, it was all COVID related. Um, I think in some cases, I think we for we meaning the country forgot about some of the things that it was pushing towards, especially as it related to. Uh, those of us who are handicapped, and we didn't forget. But I think, in a lot of respects, the country, the the people behind the Congress, people, the people in the Senate, they weren't really paying attention to some of the things that they paid attention to in years past. And I think a lot yep. of that had to do with COVID. Yep, there's some truth in that, Rick. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I, I mean, I agree with Larry. Um, you know, here there's been a lot of a, a lot of advocate advocacy work um, in in the uh, Boston area about uh, the inequities people are facing in terms of being, right. getting access to the vaccines, right? Uh, in terms of transportation and, yeah. and all of that. So, I think that's one of the one of the ways that 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 it was noticed, but. For me, 2020 was kind of a year when, if you like, the country woke up. Uh, I don't think disabilities were really so much a part of it, but certainly Black Lives Matter and 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 uh, the death of Mr. Floyd and the whole nine yards uh, awakened people uh, to the ongoing existence of pervasive racism and to the... Um, to, to a recognition that country needed to come to grips with it. Uh, but I think that um, in 2021, and, and I would certainly be interested in having other people comment on this, we've taken huge steps backwards. And instead of uh, being a country that was actually interested in, in understanding what was going on with racism, as, as I think we were in 2020, in 2021, we started to have this this huge reaction. I, I ran across three stories over the last few weeks that kind of illustrate this. One was about a guy who was the principal of a of a high school who um, sent out an email to uh, that that essentially it, how expressed how pleased he was that the whole issue of 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 racism was being discussed and was being raised and in 2021 his um his email instead of being regarded as as friendly and appropriate was regarded as a part of quote um race theory and therefore um, he was he was accused of indoctrinating his students and eventually lost his job. And in in a second story, there was uh, a high school girl in Michigan who was black and in in a predominantly white school in a relatively small town, and she received a call suddenly from a friend who told her uh, that uh, 
she had just bought her in an auction and other kids from her school had been participating in a slave auction where all the black kids in the school district were being sold, which, which is pretty obnoxious. But what's frightening is that at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, the school district was unwilling to do anything um, to discipline the people who were involved in that game. And, and to me, um, that's, that's an indication of where we are. And, and that's not to mention all of the, the books on race that have been banned in various school districts all over the country. So those for me are three indications that, um, we're actually moving in, in, or moved in the wrong direction in 2021. And, um, and, and they're kind of frightening for me because it seems like, you take one step forward in this arena and then suddenly you take one or two steps back. So it's uh, sort of odd. I wonder if we, if we have any folks with raised hands, Mr. Rick, who might want to jump in rather than me talking or us talking to ourselves. You're not at the moment, Paul. Ah, very good. Thank you. So uh, I, I, I guess. Hold on. We just I, got, we just got somebody. Ta-da. Deanna. Deanna, that's an, it's, it's going to be an interesting perspective because I don't know if, if, um, attitudes towards Native Americans may have, may, may have actually gone from, um, bad to worse over the, the, the last year. Miss Deanna, what do you think? In some regards, they have. Um, mm-hmm. you've got the governors of states doing standoffs with tribes who mm-hmm. say, no, we don't want the road to go through our territory. No, we don't want man camps put near us mm-hmm. for the pipelines because that endangers our people. And the governor saying, you will open roads because they're state roads. And they're saying, no, they're roads that go through <laughs> you know, our land. And we have a right to keep covid potential out and we have a right to keep our women and girls safe and so there's a lot of of backlash and there isn't you know um i read a um a lot of native news and it's it covers things that the the mainstream media don't cover at all Um, and the death toll is rising again. The Navajo Nation has it probably worst because they have more highways and stuff going through their land. They are very scattered out. They don't have um, access to clean water. They don't have, you know, you have to go quite away in medical attention. And if you're sick with COVID, you depend on your network of neighbors and friends to help you, which puts them at risk of catching it. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's just a great disconnect between, um, what everyone else receives. Right. And, and the same thing is, is actually true in Canada times two or three. Um, yeah. yeah, because, um, I, I follow a lot of news in Canada and, uh, the, the, 
Canadian indigenous population is being far more or or is is being far more, I guess the right word is far more confrontational with the federal government and provincial governments in Canada and is essentially um, suggesting that um, that it it really is time that uh, the that that the, the injustices that have been done to um, indigenous people um, need to be dealt with it in a meaningful way um, by the country. So in, in Canada, one of the things that happened in 2021 that's pretty frightening is there were four burial sites that were discovered in Saskatchewan and Manitoba, which, um, which involved uh, mostly children who had been uh, forced to attend special schools that were set up mostly by the Catholic Church. Um, they were taken away from their reservations and from their parents and sent to boarding schools um, where they were mistreated, where their culture was denied, and, and where many of them died and got buried in mass graves. Um, and those mass graves were discovered last year to tremendous amount of furor throughout um, throughout Canada. And of course, the whole issue of the pipelines continued there too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big issue with our people. And, you know, like, I don't know you, if you're aware of the Colville story um, in Washington state where COVID was particularly hitting hard in the Seattle area and then spreading out from there. Mm-hmm. And when they applied for um, medical supplies, they were sent body bags oh my gosh and, and it it just crushed the the native health people yeah the, the the other thing that happened in several parts of the country um was it, instead of sending aid directly to to native americans and to and and to indian reservations they they essentially said all of the aid had to go through the Bureau of Indian Affairs or, or in Canada, the, the, the Ministry of, of uh, Indigenous Peoples. And, and what that meant was that, that um, aid to those populations ended up, for the most part, being triaged downwards so that the aid didn't go out nearly so quickly as it did to other places. No, and a lot of... You know, the tribes that had casinos and things like that, they jumped in because they had the money and bought food and turned their casinos into distribution centers. And, you know, they handled it themselves. But um, most of the aid they were getting was from people who care about Native American issues, outsiders who were giving money, not the federal government, not the state government. Right. Um, and I think that's pretty true of most minority um, areas. They got yeah. less, and they got it late, and they didn't have the support just like we didn't. Because, I mean, if you suspect you have COVID, and the COVID tests aren't usable by a blind person, if you sus- and you can't do a drive-through testing site because you don't drive, and you're certainly not going to, ask a friend to drive you or 
try to get an, an Uber or a Lyft to drive you because you don't want to endanger other people either. Right. Um, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards, it's, it's very hard when you are not part of the mainstream. Right. And one of the things that we've said, I think, pretty consistently, is that we actually need to do a pretty substantial review of what's going on with uh, emergency management um, controls at the state, national, and local levels to ensure that the needs of people who are blind uh, or visually impaired or, or with other disabilities actually get met in ways that they really have not been um, through this COVID emergency. Yeah, uh, you'll see little instances where a local community will do the right things, yes. but it's not on a, an organized federal level. Um, here in, in Columbia, we had um, one obstetrician who had a triage team that was going and delivering babies at the home because pregnant women couldn't come into the hospitals. Um, you know, they, they put their, their babies at risk if they did. Yeah, or yep. the mothers. And yep. so, um, you know, we had people out parking along the streets and watching the team go in and then the doctor would hold the baby up in the window so the family and friends could see you know and you know holding up signs it's a girl or whatever but those were individual doctors who found a way to serve their patients even though there was no way yep. and Does- you know my covid test my first, my first COVID shot was because of my dentist of all people. Um, wow. Cause I was on, a, on, you know, I went up on the website, filled out the forms. We heard nothing. We heard nothing. We heard nothing. And my dentist office called and said, we're part of a larger health group and we have a sister clinic in town and they have designated a certain number of shots for our patients. Would you like one? And I said, yes. Of course. And I said, my husband isn't one of your patients. Um, could he get a shot? And she said, well, I think there'll probably be some, some surplus because we're getting mm-hmm. patients that are saying no. And so she said, let me put him tentatively on my list um, and I'll call you back if I'm sure we've got a shot for him and I'll schedule it so that you can come in at the same time so he can drive you. So that's what we did. And it was directly through the intervention of my dental clinic, not not the city government, not the state. Right. Um, other people who had home health care, their um, their home health set up a division of visiting nurses that were going mm-hmm. out and administering COVID tests and giving people shots in their own homes if they couldn't get out at all. You know, there are a lot of people that are homebound. So this is an area really where 2021 I think got worse than 2020 because there was so there was there was actually an opportunity to do a lot not only in terms of covid but 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 also there was a clear recognition I think in 2020 that that there's that there was a lot that needed to be done in terms of better treatment of of minorities but in 2021 I think we we slid backwards and and uh, I think it's interesting yeah, that, that well, there's a happened. resentment. There, yeah. I don't know. Oh, right. It's the same thing. Like, 
people seem to think that the disability community doesn't want to work. Right. And that we're all living in the lap of luxury Mm -hmm. at the government's expense. I mean, that's insanity. When you are below the poverty line and you are qualified for services, it's because there's no way you could get those services without some extra programming because you just simply couldn't afford it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know how to live that, you know, with a minimum of expenditure. I know how to cook things from scratch. I know how to use rice and beans and, you know, raw foods. But most people that grew up after my generation only know packaged foods foods and restaurants. They don't know how to... They and, don't. and that's particularly true. I think of 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 this is this is generically discriminatory, perhaps, but I think that's particularly true of people who are blind, who are taught, who are to taught use microwaves. To, yeah. yeah. At, yep. And and so they're they are particularly disadvantaged when when it suddenly isn't possible to to go out and get your frozen TV dinners and and other things like that. Or, or, yeah. or when you don't have a, in, enough money any longer um, to be able to afford those things. Yeah, because you still have your other expenses, yeah. but no, no income to cover even your basic needs. Yep. Miss Deanna, stick around. Let's see if there are any other folks who would like well, to comment on I have to leave minority. early because I have a board meeting later, but I wanted, that's why I decided to go ahead and... and so oh, I'm not excellent. running away because I don't. I'm not interested in what you have to say. I just have another commitment at seven, so I'll have to leave. Excellent. Well, we're early. interested in what you say as well. So thank you. Excellent, Mr. Rick. Do we have anybody else? Yeah. Thanks, Deanna. Uh, Anthony Corona, please. Anthony. Hey, hey, hey! Twice in one day. This is awesome. Um, it is. You know, I, 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 there's some something I definitely want to say, but before I do, I want to introduce just a tiny bit of levity. I often think to myself when I'm attending one of the ACB auctions that if all those people who, you know, have screamed at me on the bus or, or, you know, have politely said, oh, you know, where's your government person or the government gives you that, don't they? I often think to myself, yeah. if they could hear these auctions, oh man, what would they have to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> $800 for margarine demons bread. <laughs> but I figured I'd put a laugh in before. I- yep. One of the things that I think 2021 really dropped the ball on, and like you just said, got worse, is there's another demic coming, whether it's a pandemic, epidemic. You know, we're it's being said in, you know, in circles, especially in, you know, the front lines, uh, the hospital workers and, 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 and all the first responders, teachers. We definitely feel it in our community that the mental health toll that this is that this has taken on our country, the world. Um, we're going to we're going to see a lot of backlash in the next couple of years. Kids that haven't been socialized back and forth between virtual and hybrid learning, back into school for a couple of weeks, back home. You know, when they talk about the hospitals being understaffed, a big part of it is because the the workers are burned out. The doctors, the nurses, the the support staff, orderlies, food service, they can't take it anymore. So they leave, you know, and when all is said and done and, and coronavirus is, you know, whether it be the pills that that turn the tide or I'm thinking it's going to be the pills that end up turning the tide because we're not going to get those people that are not vaccinated at this point. 
they're not getting vaccinated. No matter what we say and how we say it, unless we put a, a complete, you, you know, you can't get on an airplane, you can't get on a bus, you can't go into any building, period, point blank, without proof of vaccination. We're not changing right. those that haven't gotten its mind. So I'm, I'm praying that the pills are going to be what turns the tide here. But when all is said and done and, and we've settled into whatever the new normal is going to be, then we're going to be looking at all the mental health effects and the toll that it's taken. And, and I think that's even almost as, if not just a bit scarier than the pandemic itself. Right. So do you, do you agree with what I said um, at, at the top of the show with regard to uh, a worsening of uh, attitudes towards minorities in 2021 as opposed to 2020? You know, I, I, do and I don't. Um, I think that those that were getting louder in the last, let's call it five years or so, the, mm-hmm. those that have gotten louder in the last five years or so have gotten doubly as loud this year. But I think enough of us have also gotten loud on the back, you know, on the other side that it's not, I don't think it's as bad as it was two years ago. Um, but I, um, I think we've got to find a way to 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 let those folks know it's not you know it used to not be okay to to say certain things to advocate for certain things to you know to put it on on you know bumper stickers or you know graffiti now graffiti is social media um, and I think we need to find a way to swing the pendulum back so that those of us that are right and want rightness in the world are are louder than those those skulls and, and and nasty persons that that are perpetuating so it, to me i feel like it's a 50 50 I, I think it's not worse it's just louder so did did black lives matter and that sort of thing advance or or contract um appropriate treatment and and appropriate attitudes towards hispanic folks no, absolutely not. I do not think so. Um, you know, and unfortunately, it got so muddled with riots and mm-hmm. destruction of property, fires, uh, violence, that the good that could have come out of Black Lives Matter, and, and a lot of good did come out of Black Lives Matter, don't get me wrong. But, you know, there was so much that came alongside it that gave the other side so much to scream about. So that's the first part of it. And the second part of it is, I think because the other side was so loud and aggressive, the Black Lives Matter movement didn't invite in the rest of the minorities to the level and extent that they could have and should have. So did... Uh, would you say that the same thing's true for LGBT stuff? That 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 essentially the movement forward by by recognizing minority issues, uh, it, while it perhaps wasn't as as um, as major, has has at least persisted. You know, I'm going to have to say a hard no on that one too. I think yep. you know there's a lot of infighting amongst the different groups in the LGBTQ community. There sure is. Um, but when it, <laughs> when it really counts, we've always band together, um, mm-hmm. and we've never slapped a hand away, or you know, or made a snide look and comment at, at, at another group that wants to you know all of the marriage equality. Now, personally, and 
people are going to smack me for this when they see me in person. I didn't fight very hard for marriage equality. I thought mm-hmm. it, it, it was sort of a little bit too early. It was a, a little bit ahead of its time and frankly, a waste of time and money and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. However, all those rallies, it wasn't just gay people. It was mothers and fathers, aunts and uncles. It was black folks and Hispanic folks, Asian folks. You know, it was disabled folks. And we didn't turn anybody away. If you go to, you know, the Pride celebrations in New York, you're going to see every walk of life and you're going to see inclusiveness. And, you know, there's there's not going to be one side, you know, saying you don't belong here. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's why I think the gay rights movement, um, the second wave of it, you know, in the early 2000s through the the final carriage of, of marriage equality, you know, we we weren't stopping. We were loud. We didn't, you know, we didn't shut down and shut up when, when folks wanted us to. And we didn't turn anyone away. If you wanted to stand with us, you were more than welcome. Please come on yep. in. Nice. And that's, and that's the problem that I feel sometimes with the blindness community. I think we don't, we don't look to partner with other disabled community, with the other communities in the disability you know, arena. We don't look to partner with Black Lives Matter. We don't look to partner with indigenous folks. Um, and, and I think sometimes we're very territorial that, you know, our, um, and God forgive me if people want to slap me for this too, I'll take it. But I think that sometimes we think that our struggle is harder. And so they don't really get it. And so their voice isn't going to help us. And that's the wrong way to look at it. Well, it's a, uh, it's, it's a fascinating issue because there are, there are certainly two sides. Um, one side says that, um, that the, the blindness minority is a relatively small one. Um, and un- unless we're pretty pushy for our particular needs, um, other, other groups will simply drown us because, because our population is so small. The, the other argument, the other argument that, that I think can be made, and I, and I think really it's true of, of all minority groups is, the needs of that minority group as a whole um, is always put ahead of the needs of specific subgroups within that group. Yes. And so, so when, when you're dealing with blind folks who happen as well to be black or who happen as well to be Hispanic or who happen as well to be gay, what, what you end up doing is, is, is having those movements saying to folks who are blind, we recognize that you have a problem. But until we solve our overarching problems, we're not going to have time to deal with yours. I think that's a very valid point. Um, But at some point, you know, when do we say, you know, we all have a certain amount of problems that are the same or similar enough that if we band together on all of these and get these solved all together, we can then trickle down to the subsectors of problems that need to be Sometimes, you know, I, I think to myself, we put in so much energy towards accessible currency. Mm-hmm. And, and I think to myself, there are so many problems that are bigger than that and, and a little bit more important. You know, I can fold my money in a certain way. I can have my phone read mm-hmm. my money, et cetera, et cetera. I'd love to have my money fully accessible from the moment I touch it. But I, I also want better transportation and access to, you know, services that everybody else gets 
you know, just because they're able to access them through being cited. Mm-hmm. Um, so accessible currency to me oftentimes says, well, you know, it's just not that important. I think Which that I think I, illustrates I, I, what you just said, actually, in a right. certain way. Yeah, I, I I think that again, my response to to what you're saying is similar to the to to a response that that those of us who are braille readers are beginning to make now, and 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 that is that it isn't so much whether the issue itself is so important. It's it's really whether it is a clear, unequivocal issue that can that can get out there and be recognized by the general public and and be recognized in general in a pretty positive way. There has been very little kickback from anybody but the Treasury over what we're doing with currency. And the truth is um, the the truth is that that we really haven't gotten very far. Yeah. Um, but the but the point that I'm making is but what it has done is it's been an element that that says to the general public in the United States um, this is this is a clear issue where discrimination happens and where unequal treatment is obvious and it's something that we can relatively easily modify um, and so it's it's an issue that puts the needs of a minority group out there front and center for members of the the whole community that's part of America to recognize. Let me ask you something on the on the sort of extension of that, right? <laughs> so, suppose LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter, Hispanic, I suppose all of us, AP, AAPI, blind wheelchair sure. users, yeah. suppose we all got together and we said, voting rights right now if we don't do something about it we're all screwed every single one of us are screwed so if every one of these groups got together and and formed a a a united front of movement wouldn't that inspire energy for once the voting rights were were taking taken care of done the right way the bills were passed and and the the gerrymandering was was read Redirected back to the way it should have been in the first place. Wouldn't that inspire more movements to to go forward? Um, if 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 you if you accept the notion that that it can happen, um, I I don't know that I do. Um, I, I and I think the other problem with with taking the direction that you're talking about um, is. Is that essentially what you're asking folks to do is to forego current satisfaction with things that will make their lives better in exchange for a kind of a nebulous future outcome, which is, which is pretty uncertain. I mean, there are far more states in 2022, um, who are enacting uh, civil rights legislation that limits voting access than there are those that are doing things to liberalize the, the way that voting happens. There is no or relatively little federal protection for voters' rights anymore with the Supreme Court overturning uh, the applicability of the Voters' Rights Act. And so okay. essentially what we're dealing with at the moment is a situation where um, where conservatism 
and um and and probably um probably the protection of the center um is in the ascendant and i'm not sure um that that at this point um any coalition of minorities is going to change that yeah interesting <laughs> mr anthony thank you very much for your input and stick thank around we'll, we'll we'll come up with some other issues we're going to talk about music and movies and and tv shows later and i'm and i suspect you may have some input for some of those things <laughs> absolutely <laughs> very good thank you sir Mr. You're thank you nobody at the moment paul ah well then maybe we can keep on talking so rick and um rick and larry do you guys we we've we've heard lots of pretty heavy duty comments in the background over the last uh 20 minutes or 25 minutes and, and any thoughts from you guys don't speak at once <laughs> sorry i got somebody at the door i'll be back to you in just yeah. a second oh. sure uh-huh oh what a lame excuse that was yeah exactly i heard that <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, the conversation you just had with Anthony was, you know, was quite fascinating. Um, the, um, I mean, I, I certainly understand. Um, the, I mean, the one thing about, you know, Anthony is he articulates a lot of things that are probably more. Um, you know that aren't that are kind of under the surface mm-hmm. you know, that a lot of people aren't feeling, and and he's got a good way of articulating that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. when when I was president of, of of ACB, and and really all the way through my involvement with ACB, and it doesn't sound like it from what I was saying tonight. Um, I I I tried to drag. ACB kicking and screaming into coalitions um, because my belief was that that we are only uh, strong if if we ally ourselves with uh, with other groups and and not just with disability groups but also with civil rights groups so um, so we we were uh, really the only blindness organization that was actively participating in coalitions um, 15, 20, 25 years ago. And, and, and we did it because our feeling was uh, exactly what Anthony uh, described, that, that uh, un- unless you're prepared to work with your brothers on issues that are theirs, it's not appropriate to expect them to work on issues that are yours. And but also, there is the huge amount of intersectionality that operates across the board for um, for all groups. So the, 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 the discrimination that occurs against minorities um, affects everyone who is a member of those. And, and the results of that discrimination are essentially the same for every element of that population, which, of course, is the strongest argument. Uh, for what for what Anthony is talking about, and that and and that effect is to diminish 
full inclusion in our society and to the lessen the degree to which equity operates across the board in a country that claims that uh, everybody is entitled um, to pursue life, liberty, and and happiness um, in 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 a way um, that uh, is available to everyone, not just to the privileged few. Um, but the but the problem is um, in in all the time. When, when I was in a leadership position, we really never got the kind of traction um, that you would think an, an argument like Anthony's and, and, and an argument like the, the one that I tried really to push um, deserved. It just didn't happen. And, and, and maybe one of the issues that we can raise um, on, on, a, on a future Tuesday topics is why that was the case. Why, yeah. why didn't it work? Yeah, one of the interesting things, Paul, uh, you know, my beliefs, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I've seen some good coalition making when there has been a real crisis. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, transportation has been an area, you know, here in the Boston or, you know, a domain of the, in the Boston area where there has been a whole lot of controversy over the years. And uh, and some major crises where they were mm-hmm. trying, trying to take things away and make things so cost prohibitive that it was going to be difficult to to use and 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 you know with with that common um, you know crises became a common bond and um, and and that was that was several years ago and then things kind of you know reestablished themselves into the sense of equilibrium. And then you know things started to to, to grow apart again. Um, uh, you know, one of the interesting comments that that Anthony made is you know some of the things that we're fighting over, such as you know, currency, are not necessarily you know um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs type things, uh-huh. right? Or audio description come to that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, we, we deal a lot in the in the aspects of quality of life, uh-huh. right? And you know, quality of life, depending upon where you are in life, can mean you know very very many different things. I mean, quality of life to some people who are well established becomes you know very uh, um, uh, not nebulous, but 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 seemingly uh, unimportant to people who are lower in the hierarchy of needs, you know. Right. Um, but is is that what we should use to determine what we do? Maslow or, or some kind of hierarchical approach that 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 attempts to identify what what ought to be given the the, the greatest uh, priority. I, I I'm not I'm not saying that, Paul. But what I'm saying is just the you know, at, at a macro level, right, depending upon where people are distributed along that massless hierarchy, where they're, you know, you're, you're kind of going to get a critical mass, right, and in and, and, and various stages. And, and uh-huh. you know, the critical mass is, you know, it, it's funny. You know, I, I have this conversation all the time with folks where, uh, you know, when, I, when we talk about doing everything by committee, you uh-huh. know, my answer is always the same. Well, when you try to satisfy everybody, you end up doing the least common denominator. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think there's and, truth in that. And and you know that's not all, all necessarily you know something that 
that is going to be good. I mean, you you can you know you can certainly um, you know water things down to the point where you know perhaps some focused attention in certain areas would you know it, it would have been more advantageous. So. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to imply in any way, shape, or form that in, that any of the things that that we take on are, you know, are are not appropriate. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah, would someone's life be in crisis if audio description didn't exist? Um, you know, I, 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 there's this, you know, there's this pain threshold, and and when. You know, people are relatively comfortable. They're they're less likely to act now. Right. The, the, this whole pandemic thing is, you know, is is really kind of testing the waters. And, right. Um, and it's interesting. And and Herbie's got his hands up. So why don't we yield to him here? Very good. Hi. Hi. Um. So one of the barriers I can think of with us as blind people merging with other organizations, and I know this has been an issue in the past, especially um, in the dawn of the civil rights era, is how to ensure that those other groups don't see us as a minority, because the problem is, is, you know, if they, you know, they, Black Lives Matter may see you know, have their own belief systems on a lot of things, but when it comes to their conceptions of blindness, for instance, you know, there a lot of them are probably going to be the same as, you know, other groups, minority or majority. And so I, I, I think the issue becomes is, you know, we need to be seen as equals by them before right, we can right. even. And, and, and I think you're saying that we really don't appear to be. And I think you're correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're correct. So what do we do about that? We need to, I think we need to find more ways to educate people. I mean, I've often wondered, should we be, what, you know, should we be more active in like school systems? Like, you know, talking to kids about what it's like to be a blind person. We need to do things as much as we can to show how we can be independent. We need to keep advocating for our rights, but it's the real challenge though is we're in an age where people, you know, are so not only polarized, but openly so polarized, which means that they are set in their opinions. In you know, we have, I feel like it's still an uphill challenge. And even after all this time, for instance, you know, the fact that we're still struggling, you know, 20 years later with the Americans with Disabilities Act and how to make it more inclusive, you know, the fight for equal access to for technology and part of it is again people's misconceptions and blindness and part of it is people's just willing to lump other minority groups into second class you know and going back to the whole separate but equal mentality and i'm sure. kind of speaking as a history history major a little bit too so gotcha. um that's what i see and it, it, it's an uphill battle and it's, I think, even in the blindness community, we're polarized, too. You have the two leading organizations that have completely... We want the same goals, I think, independence, but different values and different ways of reaching that same goal. So how do you how, how do you present a more united front to the sighted world? So, you know, and, and so I think we have a lot of challenges. And yep. 
it's tricky because some of our needs are, you know, we also want to be seen as we want to merge with the groups. We don't want to ride on their successes. You know, we don't want to be viewed as riding a wave. We want to be working together because we have issues, but finding ways to also educate people on how accessible technology, you know, find ways to demonstrate how it can be helpful to the majority as well sometimes because i'll give you a great example real quick wheelchair ramps yep they were viewed as something that would benefit you know people with just wheelchairs but they became but they are so much more useful to other people too like you know um people with carts or strollers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so um I know I'm going right. all over the place here, but yeah, you know, I think so, it's so they had advantages. Thing. So they had advantages for 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 other things aside from just folks who were using wheelchairs. Exactly, and, and it's probably even arguable um, that that um, they they made it easier for blind people to line up to cross streets. Oh yeah, definitely it does. Those yeah. cutouts are very helpful for that. Yeah, so I think that I think all of those are good points. So. I guess the one question that that I would have for you is: Are are we continuing to move in the right direction? Are we stalled, or are we going backwards? I feel like we are stalled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've made some we've we've made like a, a little bit of progress over the years, and like we've some and some things have definitely improved you know there's a lot more audio description out there than there was 20 years yeah. ago for instance um but we still have to worry about you know people are still concerned about updating technology because the app might become inaccessible when we still have to worry about mm-hmm. things like that doordash is a great example of that an app that many of us use and that has become very challenging to use all of a sudden um so the fact that we still have to worry about things like that despite the fact that apple for instance puts out developer guide so this thing doesn't have to happen and the problem is is we try to set these standards and then people want to push the edges or they're not even aware of us and it's as a blind community we feel we don't feel like a minority because you know we're in our community but we um but unfortunately to the sighted community we are and it's such a challenge and so i would i think that we're stalled myself Yep, or very good. Sl- stalled or, you know, like moving and halting progress. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Is there, are, are there other things about 2021 that, that, that you'd like to talk about for a sec before we move on? <sighs> 2021, um, it just, well, what can we talk about that year? You know, the COVID, you know, of course, mm-hmm. is the highlight or low light of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the challenges to, um, you know, the you know one of the challenges that we all face is again we you know there's a lot more we're moving forward in a very interesting direction on whether we're going to have more of a physical world or a virtual world and as platforms like Zoom and stuff you know keep moving forward we definitely want to increase technology training for blind people so that we can be more included and I think that moving virtually can potentially open more doors for us as individuals. Um, yeah. But potentially, I, I, you know, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I've seen actually so much yet. No. Um, and, and, and the training issue is, is but such that an again important goes into one. my stalled comment, you know, again. Yeah. Right. 
Um, I I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. We're we are looking in Florida at um, at at a grant um, that 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 has just been approved to try to provide some training for older blind people on technology beyond what they would get in in a relatively short stay at um, local community programs. But right. the 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 question is, how should you deliver that training? Um, what's what's the most appropriate way, and mm-hmm. um, how how do you sell it? How, you know, it's a it's yep. Because there's and, there's a there's a well, lot of training out there, but nobody's using it. Nope. And then another issue, of course, is I know it's a hot button topic, but you know, equal access to voting, and I know there's you know concerns, real or not, over you know mail-in ballots and all that type of stuff but then on the other side you know how to make all that accessible to us and um you know just accessible you know that was definitely a big issue for 2020 2021 sure was how how to maneuver in the uh, covid era with this is there was we went from the argument of more accessible voting machines to more accessible ways of mailing in our ballots and um so that's an issue and another horrifying issue that I personally I've been very thankful not to have experienced this myself but I've heard of others um, including some friends of mine Um, I'm concerned over the state of paratransit and Uber and Lyft because um, I've heard of situations where people have had rides cancelled on them with paratransit you've got limited Uber and Lyft sometimes um Thankfully, in Houston, that's not been an issue for us per se. But you know, mm-hmm. I feel for the. And if the trend can, if, if things keep acting weird, it could become an issue for us one day. But you know, we can't. It's not like we have the option of driving. So these type of issues need to be resolved quickly. And again, how do you? Do, you can't just say hire people because you've got the issue. You do have COVID concerns and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so I don't. I'm not. I don't have an answer. Yeah, but COVID certainly has made all of those all of those issues worse, which is yep. which is really your point. Yep. Yep. Cool. Thank you very much. It it is it's nice to hear the the, the state of Texas, um, and we appreciate your calling in. Thank all you. Right, thank you. Do we have anyone else, Mister Rick? No, we don't, Paul. I mean, one of the things that COVID has done, right, is it's mm-hmm. kind of drawn all the attention to drawn the you know the center of the argument to covid right and uh-huh. taking attention away from other things and um you know it it um, you know they that that is you know constantly happening right i mean priorities uh you know you know the human um, this human thing that we are you know are going to be very focused on whatever is right in front of us and we can, you know, lose focus and lose attention on, on other things, you know, very, very quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, that drives me crazy just in general, you know, we, we talk about how great the democratic system is, but after listening to Biden the other day, you know, I continue to call uh, Trump a loser, right? Um uh, the you know the implications of all that you know it, it is that everything you know the democratic system basically promotes majority rules 
and and we've with this polarized environment that we're in, we're to the point now where whoever the controlling, you know, whoever's in the majority, the rights of the minority are not important or or, or totally disregarded. Uh-huh. And this whole well, aspect of compromise and working, sure, you know, it, it's it's you know, um, so. So, so you know, the more polarized you get between the you know minority and majority, the harder it is, obviously, for those of us that live in minorities to um, you know to to survive. And and you 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 know touched on it earlier too. The probably the worst case scenario is being a minority within a within a minority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyways. Well, and 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 a minority within a majority is probably a is is probably being a black Republican too. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Uh, I I guess I guess one one of the questions one of the questions that I think um, twenty twenty one demonstrated was that even even in a in 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 an election environment where the election has actually given at at least to a degree uh, control to to a single party across the board at the federal level, both in the House and in the Senate, um, it it has still meant um, that the gridlock has remained. Um, and really, the only way we can we can change that is is by landslide victories for one party or another. Um, and 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 it's sort of scary to think that um, what ought to be. Uh, or, or what we regard as 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 democracy, that is majority rule, um, doesn't seem to apply to our system of government. Yeah, well, the, you know, the, the more there's a landslide, right? You know, the more mm-hmm. control you put on one side, the you mm-hmm. know, the, the lesser the you know the the rights of the other side is going to be. Yep. Or, or, so so sometimes you know gridlock doesn't. Uh, it doesn't get anything done, but it also, right. you know, it doesn't necessarily cause a lot of uh, backsliding either in, in some cases. So, right. and, and, think, and it probably assures that whatever you try to do um, will become less than either side wants. It will, because I think the ability to work together is something that we've lost. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that if there was a landslide, I mean, you know, when when the Republicans won, the Democrats would work towards undoing everything the Republicans uh-huh. did. And then when the Democrats, yeah. same thing. So you, you, you take a couple steps forward and many steps back. Uh-huh. Uh, and the problem now is if, that nobody really wants to listen to each other. And so you don't have any common ground. And whether uh-huh. you believe, uh, whether you're a Democrat or Republican and you believe a certain way, it doesn't matter because nobody trusts anybody. And, and, that's something we didn't have to the degree we do now. I think that stopped in probably the sixties, maybe. Not sure, mm-hmm. but but it's pretty it's pretty nasty right now, and I don't know what to say. I have no clue this because this is virgin territory. Yeah. So twenty twenty one, you guys who are out there, we don't have to talk about uh, about politics and race relations and minorities and all those other things, which are pretty depressing. Um, we're happy to talk about sports if you think there's something significant that happened in 2021 that you'd like to share. We we would love to hear what what you think the new and exciting sounds are in music, or what what the 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 most innovative and exciting new television program has been. Um, 
whether whether there are trends that emerged in 2021 with regard to streaming. Um, you know, I think for blind people, one of the interesting things is that 2021 probably uh, was the first year where there truly did begin to be uh, a, a very large quantity of audio described material that was available not only from commercial networks, uh, but also from um, other streaming services. And what that meant was that blind folks for the first time, probably I think in history, could probably have, have found ways to watch audio described um, material 24 hours a day for the whole year. I don't think we could have ever said that in, in, in any year prior to 2021. Audio description is a little bit like Bard because uh-huh. we had no choices back then. Now, if you uh-huh. look at Bard, my gosh, there are so many books. I, I won't live long enough to read all the books I have on on, on Victor and other places. And the same thing uh, is becoming true with audio description. We have so many choices that yeah. we never had before. And we're, how lucky and blessed we all are to have yeah. those choices. It's, it's fascinating. But again, um, so many people who could be taking advantage of, of what's out there, um, for the most part, uh, are, are not. And, and the other fascinating thing technologically, at least for me, or, or at least I discovered, I think I've said this before, the cost of technology that, that allows audio description has come down so precipitately over the past little while. Um, five years ago, I bought a TV in Miami that, that isn't nearly as capable as the one I just bought and paid somewhere between four and 500 bucks for it. When I got ill and moved up here to Jacksonville, I bought a TV for $229 that does far more than the one I had for 500 did. It has built-in uh, ALEXA or the A-Lady. It has, um, it has text-to-speech that operates across the board for channel guides and that kind of thing. Um, whether I'm whether I'm looking at um, at streaming services or whether I'm looking at local channels that I get through an antenna, um, but it's revolutionized the way that that I receive my information um, in 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 a in a way that I never would have predicted a few years ago, and I never would have imagined that that for that small amount of money um, I was going to get. A, a, an accessible platform that was going to enable me to um, to pretty effectively navigate what had what had been a world that was essentially closed a few years back because of the growth of inaccessible menus on TV screens. So that for me was a highlight of 2021. Why, um, why, why, do, why do you think Paul audio description has gotten so much traction? Um, I, well, <laughs> I think I think there are a few reasons. The, the the first one is it's kind of like it's kind of like Braille. Um, there's 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 nothing intrinsically evil about either Braille or audio description. And when 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 you make Braille 
um, or audio description uh, more widely available to a population. Um, if if you're the provider, you feel really good about yourself um, be, because you're doing something that's that's unquestionably good, and you're not really taking very much away from anybody else. I think the other factor, and this is obviously just my opinion. I hope um, other people will jump in and express theirs. Um, but I think the other factor that 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 operates is that uh, is that. I think there is a general sense uh, with the American people that if if one group has something and 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 that group has been given that thing um, virtually completely, it's very difficult to say to another group, you can't have at least some of it. And and here I'm referring to the fact that closed captioning for deaf folks is far more ubiquitous and widely available than audio description is, but it makes it very difficult for streaming folks, I think, and for others, um, not to say, you know, um, eventually we're probably going to, um, gonna have to do this audio description stuff. So why not, why not do it early and do it effectively and, and make it a win-win situation? I think it's a lot like, what has happened in the in the assistive, assistive technology field over right. the last five to ten years? You you never had the big people involved, the Apples, the Microsofts, right. etc. Now I think you're going to see more and more things happening, like happened a few years ago, where all of them jumped in and said, "Let's just make everything accessible." And now that's going to be the norm in terms of assist, of uh, audio description. I think you're going to see that even to a greater degree than what we've seen already. One of the things that, that I think we all noticed in 2021 uh, with the release of the new version of Windows um, was, was the fact that there was far more accessibility built into the operating system than has ever been before. And the truth is, um, even though they weren't touting it from the rooftops, uh, it, it, it is probably easy for average users who are blind of uh, new versions of Windows um, to operate in the Windows environment without a screen reader. And that's revolutionary because in, in the past, uh, a stream reader was a screen reader was absolutely necessary. Um, if you were going to effectively navigate the graphics rich environment that was a part of the operating system. But, but now both Apple and, uh, Microsoft, um, have released operating systems that, that have built in um, accessibility to, to, to virtually uh, everything. I, I think we can say to everything in terms of the Mac, or at least they would claim that. But, um, but I, I think it's much closer to nearly everything in, in Microsoft Windows as well. And I think it's revolutionary. Um, yep, it definitely is. I agree. I don't know that it, it's there as diverse as as the Jaws and even NVDA right. to some degree. So if you want diversity in terms of it doing specific things, you know, you still probably have to lean towards Jaws and and maybe even NVDA. But at least in terms of 
basic screen reader use, they've come miles in the last five or so years and less time than that. I hope, I hope some of the techie folks who are, who are in, involved in, um, uh, main menu, perhaps who are listening will jump in and, and comment on other technological advances of 2021. Um, I think in terms of, um, in, in terms of devices that are specifically made for blind folks, we, we, we've had some interesting developments. 2021 was not a year when, when new devices came along, but it was a year when huge changes happened, um, which will probably in the long run foment a revolution because uh, one of the things that happened in 2021 or for the most part in 2021, I think it started in a, in a very minor way in 2020, but mostly in 2021 is the intro is, is the introduction of e-reader trials that are that are being sponsored by NLS, um, and and this is revolutionary because devices are actually being made available uh, to anyone who can benefit from them, which are essentially uh, twenty character braille displays, um, and they're being made available uh, f- for for nothing to initially to folks who are involved in trials but but later on um to anyone in this country who can demonstrate that they can benefit from having such a device um and and that's pretty revolutionary but what's it going to do to the note-taking business just as i think you've got to ask the question what does fully accessible uh apple products and 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 relatively fully accessible Microsoft products due to the screen reader business. Yeah, it's it's the made for purpose versus you know things that just become in, you know ingrained in in into the mainstream. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to bring you back to closed captioning here for a minute. You know, sure. You, you know the one of the interesting things about closed captioning, I think, is happening with audio description too. Is the take up of it is a lot more than just blind people. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it would be kind of interesting to, to do a study in terms of, you know, how many people are using closed captioning and, and what their demogra- demographic makeup is. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there are more people who are not deaf that use closed captioning than those who are deaf. And um, where, do, where do you think, where do you think the, 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 the largest element of use for closed captioning may be? Because I have a I have a suggestion for you. Go to a bar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, but you know, you know, in in my house, closed captioning is always on, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, Nancy will you know will be upstairs and and just reading the captions because you know that uh, she she finds it uh, you know. Uh, it, it just gives her another dimension to be able to experience something with mm-hmm. um, audio description. I, and you know, and where I'm going with all this, you know, I, the thing that, that just drives me nuts is when WGBH does this all the time, when they say audio description intended for, you know, audiences with, right. with visual or or blind or visual impaired. Yep. And, and you know, I'm not sure I want to put fences on it. Right. 
Mm -hmm. If if there are people like my mom, you know, with, you know, who are dementia or have processing issues or, Mm -hmm. you know, people with autism or whatever that can benefit by audio description, by all means, it would seem to me that the bigger you build that universe of people that can benefit from something, the, the more that, that it's going to, you know, that, that you're going to draw more attention to it and it's going to get, you know, it's going to become bigger and bigger. Um, so, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm quite frankly, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted and amazed, you know, in a very, very positive sense, just how well, you know, audio description has taken off, especially in the streaming areas where there really, really isn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, legislation, which is, you know, been a lot of what has caused some of the things, these, these things that happen has just kind of happened at the grassroots level in, in the streaming services. And it's quite, quite remarkable. It really is. Yeah, I, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. I think that, uh, I think that what's, what's most important, um, is the fact that, um, those services who are beginning to stream materials um, are being guided by often um, the American Council of the Blind and, and some of their uh, their intervention interventions in structured negotiations um, to develop what what amount to long range plans that don't just uh, cause them um, to make available stuff that they're doing now. But ask them to go back to their back catalog and make some of the the audio description uh, available. Um, it, it, there's a there's an interesting development that I hope we'll do something about um, uh, over, over over the next few years. And and by the way, re- remind me that I said I wanted to come back to an, another development that that happened really for the first time in 2021 in audio description. But the the future development um, that that I think needs to occur parallels something that's happened in Braille and that we're beginning to see the results of um, in this country now. Um, in Braille, the Marrakesh Treaty uh, was signed, and I don't know the number of signatories um, that are there now, but, but it's, it is in full operation now. And one of the things that that has meant is that Braille that's produced in any English-speaking country or, or frankly, in, in, in any foreign language country is, is, can now be freely distributed in this country, just as American Braille can be distributed in other countries. There is a tremendous amount of waste, in my opinion, audio description, in that there is lots of audio description that's being produced in the United Kingdom in particular um, of even American programs. But instead of um, instead of trying to figure out some way where we can um, where we can make the audio description that's produced in English available to all English speakers, we're essentially saying that if if it's produced for, in, in the UK for the most part, if we want to use it in this country, we've got to produce our own, which seems to me to be not very cost effective. Particularly for um, for uh, a component um, that's that's adding additional costs to, to every project that that is being done in order to accomplish it. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that, Paul. Yeah. So the development um, that 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 has emerged in 2021 is controversial, um, and it's interesting. I I would again love to hear uh, some folks um, who are involved in using audio description jump in and comment. But one of the things that has emerged in synthetic speech, exactly right. Um, one of the things that has emerged is, uh, since synthetic speech being used to provide audio description without a voice reader, ACB has actually come out, um, essentially against the use of, um, uh, te- well, it's called text to speech, um, systems, um, but they've, ACB in a resolution this year has come out really against those i if if i if if we had been having real widespread debate i probably would have spoken against the resolution because i think um i, I am prepared to sacrifice um some of uh some of the beauty of the human voice um for making a, a much larger catalog available um one of the things that that amazon Prime said to our convention this summer was the only way they can make a lot of their older titles um, accessible um, is by is by using text to speech rather than hiring voice talent to produce them. Um, I mean, it's it's not a whole lot different than taking a a a printed document that was only available in print, scanning it in, and then having text to speech read it to you. Right, you know, you know, which is a technique that was right. used a lot, right? So, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people have heard the text to speech that's being used for audio description, um, because uh, I've I've looked at three or four series um, that use text to speech um, and have actually and have actually found the quality of the the synthesized speech to be really quite excellent. Um, and, and we truly are to the place where I'm not sure, I'm not sure that very many blind people are getting to the place where they're, where they're using it. I mean, there are, there are huge numbers of people out there who are using JAWS and are using the same old JAWS speaking voices, but they don't have to. Um, there, there are huge numbers of other voices that are out there that are so much more, uh, more human sounding. Um, and easier to listen to um, than um, than than other devices. Um, on the on the new track that um, that Humanware makes, the the little tiny screen reader. Um, is it Sharon? I think is uh, is is the one of the voices that's being used, and that's streets and roads ahead of any other voice that's been available on. Um, on um, humanware Victor Reader streams in the past. Yeah, and what's what's just interesting about audio description is you know by its very nature it's it's not intended to from a voice standpoint have a lot of inflection and and whatever right. would interpret what was you know it, it's it's describing but it's not interpreting by virtue of, of 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 inflection and intonation and everything else which is quite a bit different than than the case if you're you know a talking book because in a talking mm-hmm. book 
the, those dimensions are, are are usually in in you know injected quite a bit. So right, you, you'd think audio description would lend itself more to that. It than, would because then you can script for it. You can script yeah, for it, yeah, and yeah. you're going to get inside the specific time period of what it's what's supposed to be said. You can yeah. do that far easier. You know, and and you know, if 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 the choices you know are to improve upon the you know the script of the audio description. I mean, we've all been to plays and stuff where there's been a, a great describer, but their description has been terrible because the script was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. And 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 exactly the opposite is true. You've got a great play and, and the audio description absolutely sucks. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah. 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 And sometimes yeah. we as blind people, you know, we want what we are used to. Uh, for instance, in Bard, sometimes I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, did you read this book? Yeah, but I remember when it was done 30 years ago and so-and-so read it and it was way better. And, and that may be true. But but the, the technology in terms of audio voice quality now today is mm-hmm. so much better that in large part, I don't mind it if it's a synthetic voice because it's so close to what we expect and experience that it's it's not going to stop me from enjoying the show at all. One of the things that um, one of the things that that uh, I've known for a long time, but really came home with the emergence of these um, screen reader uh, these um, these braille displays from NLS is I have a thirty two gig card um, that that I use in for storing books um from nls and bookshare and i think that i have close to a thousand books um on that sd card right now and i have used less than four gig and wow <laughs> yep and and so what's what's amazing for me about that is that uh, we are suddenly to a place technologically where um where it is it it is actually easy and economical um to to have as much books or as many books as you want to read in your hands um whenever you want them almost and that was never true in the past uh, about uh, library services, you so, know, yeah, the whole talking book uh, system is being totally revolutionized, and within five years, right. everything is going to be on demand. I mean, when you yep. uh, request something from a talking book library, you want it on a cartridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could request, you know, as many books as you want, and they're going to be able to load those onto a cartridge. And there will be a limit, of course, I'm sure, but, but. But, you know, there are systems in place and they're starting to roll it out across the various yep. libraries across the country. You well know this, Paul. Right. And, you know, and they're and they're getting and the cartridges as well are getting cheaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's the fascinating thing. The yeah. truth is that it's cheaper, probably, <clears throat> to produce talking books now than it was 10, 15 years ago. True. I don't even use a cartridge anymore. <laughs> You know, I've got a stream, and I can go online, right. and I can download to my heart's content, and 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 I'll always have books. 
Yeah. I mean, it's such an exactly. enviable position. It's like a sighted person walking in to wherever they walk into and say, I think I'll buy this book. And they do. They walk out, go home and read it. We now have the same opportunities. It's wonderful. Yeah, or pretty close to that. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and, and everything that podcast has brought to us, right? Yeah, uh, I, that's um, that that's another an, another huge development in 2021. Perhaps we can thank COVID for part of this. I think there has been a huge resurgence of uh, of podcasts over the past two years, and and a um, a, a huge number. Of podcasts on on virtually uh, any area that you that you're that you might want to discuss, and and perhaps arguably, and you guys can tell me because I'm not there, but perhaps arguably an extension of podcasts in a way is the emergence of Clubhouse. I was I was just going to say that yeah exactly Clubhouse is kind of like a, you know a live universe of podcasts right <laughs> you know any top. Yep. Yep. About anything, um, and and done in a very intelligent way. In 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 many many cases, I'm sure there are, you know, things in Clubhouse that that aren't worth the time. But 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 it's and you know and to me that is so counterintuitive of where I mm-hmm. would have expected things to go. But um, and that's that's a total totally total audio platform, right? And you know, yep. Incredible. One one of the one of the interesting things that that uh, it actually started, I think, in 2019, but it's still fascinating to listen to, is an hour long program that is produced by the BBC every week called Podcast Radio Hour, um, and it's on uh, BBC Radio Four Extra at. Uh, 6 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, but it's also available as a podcast from anywhere, um, and and um, and is downloadable. and It's and it's it's uh, it is a very well produced program, and and has certainly guided me um, to a range of podcasts that I had no idea were there. Um, they and and uh, interestingly enough, the the very last um, episode. Uh, yeah, I think it was the last one. It was tips for new podcasters, um, given by oh six or eight people who are producing their own podcasts. You know what, what, what are what are the things you would tell new people to to look out for, and what would you expect them to do? Um, but uh, for for those of you who who haven't yet um, stuck your toe into the podcast universe. Um, this particular podcast is a good way to start because it, it will give you loads of ideas every week on on what the new podcasts are. And I'm at sure the beginning of, sorry, go ahead. I'm sure it's available on podcast. Uh, it is, yeah, it is. It's a uh, it's it's available on all the podcast providers. It's available on the stream. <laughs> um, and and how many people do you know <laughs> who? Uh, you know, surf YouTube like crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, again, that's 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 something that 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 really was not popular before. I don't know of of a lot of blind TikTok users, but maybe some folks will call in and contradict me. Yeah, I don't know many either, but I use YouTube 
now all the time now that i keep reminding myself that it's available because we're doing radio shows all the time and if i'm looking for something and i don't have a a clip Mm -hmm. on somebody like i've got some we did a special on betty white and she did Mm -hmm. some radio not a lot but Mm -hmm. i thought wow i know there's got to be a ton on youtube and there was so we used a few clips that we were able to get from youtube you know before that you'd have to actually buy them and spend a little bit of money to do that, which is fine. But mm-hmm. but YouTube has it's been incredible in terms of what's up there. I just I sometimes I go, wow, I I, I don't believe this because there's so many things up there. Just sort of like podcasting as well. But just when you think of, I wonder if such and such is up there. Most times it is. Yeah, you look if you're looking for an obscure yeah. song. That, yep, same that, thing. That you know that, yeah. that was you know, been out of print for years and years and years, you know, chances are you're going to find it on YouTube. True. And very many versions of it. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of, um, there, there are a lot of vinyl albums that have never made it to CD that you can find on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in pretty good quality too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. It, and particularly in, in an area like, like the like the one that I'm into, which is folk music, where where it's that there isn't this huge market. So so a lot of the a lot of the artists, particularly in in regional folk music, just never made it to 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 to, uh, to CDs, um, even even though their music is is really pretty amazing. Um, yeah, so it's fascinating. So one of the things COVID um, has done for us is given us time to explore some of this media. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the post COVID world, it, it, you know, there's a lot of everybody, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, I'd love to have a conversation 10 years from now, looking back at, at now, you know, in terms of what life's going to be like 10 years from now, you know, everybody's saying that, you know, life has changed forever. But the human condition, you know, will argue that perhaps within five years, if there isn't another pandemic, we will revert back to old behaviors. Who knows? Right. Okay. Um, but um, you know, it, it's uh, you know, it, 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 I mean, one thing that we've done a lot of, you know, we've done a lot of, you know, through the pandemic, and we've done you know a lot even more in in 2021 has just been at adapting ourselves to to current situations right. um, and uh you know and and that whole process of adaptation has brought a lot of stress and you know and and you know and, and anthony touched on some of the mental health issues mm-hmm. that, that 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 could result from that but but um um it, it it's you know I, you know, five years from now, if, if we said that, you know, if anybody said that, you know, there'd be this thing called a hybrid anything, you know, we'd all be saying, ah, that it would, that would never work, you know? We, 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 we have, we have certainly grown uh, in, in the blindness community um, in, in terms of, in terms of our use of, of technology um, to share information in, in ways that we certainly would not have done had it not been for the pandemic. But, but I think in a much broader sense, our, our whole American population has suddenly transformed from a community that for the most part um, did things in person 
to a community that is far more comfortable um, doing things virtually. And, and I'm not sure um, that we're ever going to get back to the point where, uh, where um, things like Zoom and things like other approaches to communication uh, aren't pretty prevalent as the norm uh, that the whole population uses to communicate with each other. And, you know, and then there's kind of, we can ponder on this forever. I mean, would, 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 it, would a virtual world make it easier for things like employment for, for blind people than, than a physical world? It, it, it ought to. It, it um, ought to is right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, there, um, I, I did a presentation uh, a couple of weeks ago um, for the, the um, National Asso- Association of uh, State Agencies for the Blind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a National Council of State Agencies for the Blind is, is actually the title. But I was listening to um, some other presentations on the afternoon when I was doing mine. And, and one of them is a specialized um, group out there who is actually uh, attempting to, to create a coalition for um, kind of uh, technology people who are really sharp, who are blind, um, being hired by um, high-level employers. And I think this wouldn't have happened um, to the degree that it has. Uh, unless the option of working from home um, be, became real. Um, I, I think that we're not hearing enough uh, about the problems that blind people have had working at home. I, I think it has not been as smooth um, as, as some folks would, would have us believe it is. I think there are some, there are some real issues in terms of some productivity there. Um, and, and, and I wish that somebody would recognize that there, there, there's some real advantage to doing some studies that will, that will measure some of that so that if, if it's, if, if my suspicions are right, we can start doing things to fix them. I think you're exactly right. Yep. I, I think companies, depending on the company, for in my case, for instance, right. we closed our center. Marriott closed a center in Southern yes. California. John's, well, John's issue was starting to work from home this, what, 2020. So they didn't work from home prior to that. They all worked in the office. But I was sent home as a, as a, uh, I, I wasn't making reservations. I was actually a support person. And, and and they said, could you go home and we'll get some IT people who will work with you and try and figure out a way so that all of our, our blind people who use JAWS can work from home. And we did. In the first month or two, it was hideous. It failed. It yes. was garbage. Right. And then after that, we said, wait a minute, we've gone at this all wrong. And, and we found a way for it to work. And that was 2007, and I worked there till 2021, and blind people are working there now, and they're all working from home now. Very few are at the centers. But that involved, that involved a pretty substantial investment um, on, on, on the part of Mary. It did. It would be interesting to ask them whether they thought, whether they thought it paid off for them, or, or was it just a philanthropic thing? I think 
that in large part, and, and we still would have to ask, but I think in large part it paid off for them because they found quickly, especially when we were all working in offices, that their blind people, people who use JAWS, were far right. more productive and better right. agents than their sighted counterparts because in many respects they all realize that it, it's not easy for a blind person to find a job. Right. And, and so they decided if we're going to do this job, we're going to do it right and they were among the best agents that Marriott had. And the same thing John says is true with Disney. Right. I, I think I think that's absolutely the case. And yeah. I think that it's what we need to be selling to employers. That it, it isn't um, it, it isn't just whether a blind person can do the job. It's it's that a blind person, once that person starts doing the job, is going to be far more likely to stay there. Um, one of the scary things for me is there is a huge amount of upward mobility in the employment scene um, in 2021 because the jobs were harder to fill. So a lot of the folks um, who had jobs at, at one level within companies uh, found themselves being promoted very quickly in 2021. That didn't happen for blind folks. Um, and it didn't happen for blind folks because for the most part, they didn't want it to happen. Oh my! Um, yeah, and and that's fascinating to me because because they were comfortable with what they were doing. They could do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 were making money. They were feeling like contributing members of society. And and uh, I mean, I guess for me, um, while while there's part of me that might be wringing my hands and saying, "Gosh, this is a shame," there is another part of me that says they have every right to make that choice. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's not a choice that I think I would be happy with, but that's right. that's just me. But I guess you're right. Yeah, and so it's it's as long fascinating. as, it, as, long as it, it, it's a choice, it's okay, right? Yeah, you know, because those that will choose the upward mobility sure. can you know can can do it. And, you know, it's it's when the choice is denied that that there's the problem. Sure. And I, and that's I, I, I suspect there was a you know big right. Old, that though too so sure and 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 you're you're absolutely right i think there are there are a lot of companies out there who essentially say we have created a niche position for blind people and and they better damn well like it and stay there um if they if if they if they try to get too uppity and suddenly want to become managers well hold on here (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so i think i think there are um, I, there are two sides to that story as well, um, and and I guess the question is how. What should we be doing um, to take advantage of the the the, the work at home environment that we're not? And, and and I'm not sure I know the answer, but it's certainly one of the questions um, that I think ACB needs to uh, explore. And, and perhaps when we're talking with um, Eric Bridges. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that. I think that's true, but but, but I don't think every sighted person, nor do I think every blind person, is suited to work from home. It takes discipline to sit there and oh, do yeah. the job that you need to do, and some people are not equipped to do that. And I've talked to many of them, both sighted and blind, who said, yep, yep. "I hate this because I'm not. I'm too used to being able to get up and walk around and do whatever I need. You can't do that when you're at home because the onus is really on you. You can get away with a lot if you choose to. You also have to be pretty independent yes. if you're going to do it. And and I wonder, um, 
I, and again, I don't know the answer to this. You know, some of the folks who are out there working in the environments may, maybe would have to tell me. But I've certainly observed on occasion uh, that um, if you're working in an office as a blind person, there there may be some minimal assistance that you get that you that you become used to. And when, when those supports aren't there when you're working from home, it could be a lot more difficult. We selected the people to go home that we thought were the best equipped to handle it. Yeah. And in a couple of cases, they weren't. Uh, and they eventually resigned because when something happened from a computer perspective – we couldn't send an IT person out, especially if the person lived thousands of miles away. Exactly. And some of these people were in trouble and didn't realize it until they found out, oops, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And that's when we talked a lot and I said, we can't be hiring people who don't have good computer skills. That must be part of it. Not only their ability to use JAWS or any other screen reader that we choose – but but they've got to have a basic computer n- need to use the computer in the best way possible because if we put them on their own, nobody's going to be able to walk to their house or drive to their house and say, hey, I'll fix it for you. It's it's not in all cases going to be possible. So 2021, uh, we've already talked about the, the, the growth in YouTube. We, we, I think we, we haven't perhaps talked about one of the changes that occurred as a result of COVID was the fact that streaming which had in the past been a place where um old movies and relatively new but not new movies went to die um transformed in 2021 for the most part into into a place where um uh the first release of many movies happened online um rather than rather than anywhere else um can can movie theaters put that back in the box now and say, okay, so when COVID's over, we're not going to do that anymore? Nope. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's like anything else where something happened that was brand new and revolutionary. And then like the record industry, remember the record industry had the same basic issue. Yeah, what stuff. are those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It, it's interesting. You know, all the movie theaters around here are transforming themselves, but they were doing this before before the pandemic. But, you know, they, they all kind of figured out that they, they, they need to just improve the experience, the in-theater experience. Yeah. And every chain theater out here, you know, well before COVID, just ripped out all their old seat, old seats. You know, put in these these new seats, the recliner seats, whatever made, you uh-huh. know, made the huge aisles and 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 the sound systems. You know, and yeah, totally immersive type environments. And um, I I think movies that that were released this year. I mean, I mean, there were some huge box office hits. I mean, Spider Man was one of them, right? Um, you know, there were things over over the holidays that they were just busting, you know, uh, box office records. Um, so, you know, the, these things may may well be able to coexist. It'll it'll, right. it'll be interesting to see how it settles out. I mean, but I don't it, think it, I don't think people will wait as long as they have in the past, Rick, for 
for for movies to get on to some streaming platform. Right? Oh, no, no, it, it, you know, yeah, it, you know, yeah. Essentially, that's what that's happening now already. You know, the, right? You know, they may introduce it in a theater, but within a month, it's on the streaming platform. Right. Um, so it's it's fascinating, and again, you know. If, if you look at some of the books that were written 40, 50, 60 years ago that talked about where we were going to be in terms of, in, in terms of our connectedness and our living in a digital world, um, it's, it's getting scarily and scarily closer to the truth. Um, you know, if you, if you look at kids nowadays, parents try to control what they do. But left to themselves, I think I think kids would spend twenty hours a day on screens. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And and, and it's uh, so so that's a little scary. So, what about changes in the music business, Mister Rick? In in twenty twenty one, what have what have you noticed? Um, you know that that's a <laughs> that's a good question. I um. You know, they, there are so many different aspects of the music. But it's funny. You know, I mean, one of the things that uh, I, you know, I, I subscribe to a service where I get everything that's released to the radio stations. And uh, nice. And and uh, it's not very expensive. And anybody who can remotely say they're a disc jockey can can sign up for this and get one of these little known secrets. But um, the uh, I mean, it was definitely a period where or you know, things were, you know, I mean, a lot of music was being made in people's homes more than in a, in an informal right. setting. Right. Things slowed down for a little bit. They picked up quite a bit in, in, in 2021 again. Um, and um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I've never really attributed any changes to the music industry as a result of, of, of of you know specifically in 2021 have you paul i think there i i think there are three trends that that caught fire in 2021 um one of them is the the depersonalization of catalogs that is artists who had have owned their music in the past are now selling their music oh, yeah. to oh, agglomeration yeah. companies oh, yeah. Like um, yeah. sell his for half a billion dollars, right? Um, <laughs> and 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 that's a that that to me is a pretty scary thing because it means that the people who are in charge of that stuff now are people whose only interest uh, is to make money, yeah. um, and and that's pretty scary. I think the second trend um, that that I noticed in the music business is. Uh, if if you like um, the absence of uh, serious competition uh, among the big players in the music streaming business, that is um, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, um, I I don't think any of the three of them give a damn whether whether you're using their service or not. Um, and and whereas there was a lot of competition. Um, I think in, in 2018 and 2019, I think that, um, the trend has now been away from, um, away from competition and essentially towards almost complementarity. Um, there just doesn't seem to be nearly the, 
the 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 attention on on uh, offering um, deals that will entice people to to make your music your your source for music, uh, and and I include Google Music in that too. Um, and the third um, the third trend um, in 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 music it seems to me in uh, in uh, 2021 um has been um the emergence of uh a much broader base of um independent musicians who are now producing their stuff yeah. um mm-hmm. um on their own and often in, at home um but but are actually breaking through um, either because of uh, media like TikTok or, um, or, or other media into the, um, into the mainstream. Um, and, and what's amazing is there doesn't seem to be any sacrifice in quality, um, with, with these, these domestically produced, um, uh, music elements. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. 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 Larry, any thoughts from you on music? Nope. Okay. So you can sing some barbershop for us if he wants to. He could. Yeah. That was one of the things. And and, and of course, you know, the the whole, you know, aspect of live music. Yeah. Uh, you know, has, 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 it's coming back now, but, uh, yeah. you know, so. Of course, one of the fan- phenomenal stuff, and this is more a 2020 phenomenon, I think, than a 2021 one, was the amount of music that groups produced um, online um, and, and then made available online. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I marveled listening to, um, whole choirs singing together um, online and then and then broadcasting that stuff yeah. Um, yeah. one of the things that the BBC did um, was they had they they had a lot of their programs that typically had studio audiences um, what they did was to invite hundreds of zoom people um, to to essentially tune in and leave their mics open to do their laugh lines. Yeah, well, they, you know, guys like um, Doctor Phil, you know, were doing that, right? Yeah, uh, and and now it's funny because now they're reintroducing live audiences, but they they're keeping the virtual audience too. So if you want virtual tickets, you know, do this. If you want live, <laughs> do that. And they've got a whole like a whole wall of TV screens. And, um, that's usually in the background and you, you know, you see everybody applauding and, you know, mics open, you know, world wrestling federation or WWE was doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, um, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it, 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 it's, it's been, it's been interesting. And some of it you know, has just been kind of fun to see how, how things have evolved, um, you know, with the tech too. So. And I, and I think one of the things that we shouldn't neglect to say is that um, ACB um, has has actually done some pretty amazing things, and in, in terms of music, 
um, in 2021 that we've, that we've never attempted before. Um, you know, obviously the showcase that we do at our convention was similar to the way we did it in, in 2020. But, um, but one of the things that amazed me was how effective they were at creating an ambience for, um, for the shows that made folks actually feel like they were in a live theater and that there, there was applause going on. Um, and, and, uh, I mean, that's, that's talked to a level of skill that hasn't, that hasn't normally, I think, and, and that's no insult to older folks, (laughs) but hasn't normally been, um, a part of, a part of the way that we've produced stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, and, and we've, we, we have had several, um, presentations of live music and, and, and use of, um, Zoom karaoke and a whole range of things that, that for the first time is, uh, creating an, another whole level of opportunity for blind musicians and performers, um, to effectively demonstrate their skills. Yep. So, yep. yeah, it's pretty amazing. So we're going to do drama next this year. I think that would be fun. Um, ACB yeah. Media ought to produce some plays. It, it would great. be fun. Well, you know, that's yeah. stuff that Anthony's sort of looking at doing now. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how that – that's a little difficult to do, especially comedy and drama in Zoom. Mm-hmm. It, there yeah. are lots of issues with that. I mean, it works, but you got to really – got to really play with it a little bit to make it work right. And, and, and you may have, have to actually put it together rather than trying to do it live. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suspect that's the case, but I hope people will, will look at that kind of innovation. One of the things that's amazed me in terms of podcasts is, uh, uh, is how many high quality audio dramas there are out there in the podcast world. There's been a, just a huge renaissance of those over the past two years since the pandemic happened. True. Um, true. In some cases, I didn't even know that they had been done, you know, in in Zoom and or well, like or clean feed or whatever vehicle they used. I had no idea, yeah. but it was really good. Yeah, and 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 they were done that way. Um, I in in listening to this program, they they talked to some of the producers of these um, of these shows, and what's interesting is that. They have actors all over the world who are, who are participating in these plays and who are essentially sent a script, which, um, they are responsible for, um, for then getting back with their part on it. Uh, so it's, it's just amazing. You guys, thank you very much for helping us wind up 2021. I think tonight has given all of us lots to think about. Next week, we're going to uh, hear from some members of the awards committee, as well as some folks in the American Council of the Blind uh, who've received awards. Um, I think I'll be one of the people who will be talking about the impact of the award that I received from ACB a few years back. We'll also be talking with Peter Altschul about a new book that he's published. Week after that, we're going to do a kind of a year in review um, with uh, a couple of folks uh, from the ACB National Office, led by Eric Bridges, Saturday on the 25th. And on the 1st of uh, February, we are going to be doing uh, a, a Tuesday topics um, 
that will look at uh, how do we interact with public officials? Um, what are we doing well and what are we not doing well? Uh, what are what are the the strengths of our communications and and what are not our strengths? So those are some of the things that you can look forward to over the next month in Tuesday topics. You guys make this program. Thank you so much for your participation, for your listening, and for your support. And on behalf of the whole Tuesday topic crew, uh, Rick Moran and Larry Gassman, good night.